Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of the Fantrax Podcast Network and the FantraxHQ.com fan. D. Mindy here. I'm joined by a la gâteau et fromage. That's Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, the LC. Elsie, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. Was that French, man? The French just for you. Look at you, man. A renaissance man. Oh, D. D Mendy, you are, you are branching out. Pretty soon you're going to be doing it in, in a language like Hungarian or Italian, you know? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to look that up. Google Translate, how do you say cheesecake in Hungarian? Yeah, you're right, giving me a challenge. You. You're giving me a challenge. I'm all for it. We're also joined by a guy who has a scratch on his forehead because he likes to rough house with dogs. And it's Eric Mendelson, a.k.a. The Doc. What's going on? You know, you always introduce art in a nice way, and then you say something derogatory about me. I'm going to be nice, David. You continue to impress me with your multiple ways of introducing art. <laughs> yeah, I... For surprisingly, it actually comes quicker for him than I would think it would. For yours, it's always a little bit harder to think of. So take that as a compliment, I guess, that it's not as easy to think of negative things for you. I'm just such a positive person, right? Yeah, there you go. Maybe I'll be positive for you for your birthday. It's coming up in a few months, so we'll see. But we're not talking about Doc's birthday. We're talking about Triple Play Fantasy's starting pitcher part one preview. Before we head into the 2021 season, we want to give an early look at each position and talk where we are ranking players in each position groups heading into next season. We are going to be using NFBC rankings from January 1st on as our template for these episodes as we look at top guys, guys we're avoiding, values, and other fun rankings discussion. Tonight, we are going to be looking at starting pitchers going in the top 30 with Justin Mason, creator of TGFBI, part of Sleeper in the Bust, and creator of Friends with Fantasy Benefits. So make sure to stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, who are your favorite baseball brothers of all time? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's go. A lot of news and notes to cover this week. A lot happens in a week when you only do one podcast a week here. The Phillies and JT Real Muto are reuniting as the two sides have agreed to a five-year deal worth $115.5 million guaranteed. Doc, do you like the contract? I do. He is by far the best catcher in baseball. I think the Phillies still have a championship window. They have Bryce Harper, David's favorite, Reese Hoskins. And I'm very happy for Ellen Adair. I uh, loved seeing the dance that she did on Twitter. I liked the Ellen Adair dance. I feel like this contract for an aging catcher is a little scary to me, uh, but we'll have to see how it plays out. I think that was the re- the reuniting between them seemed inevitable, honestly. It didn't seem like a lot of other teams were biting at that price tag. The next bit of news here, the Nationals have continued an increasingly busy offseason, announcing on Tuesday that they've signed lefty Brad Hand to a one-year contract, expected to be about $10.5 million for the upcoming season, expected to slot into the closer role. Cheesecake, do you like this for Brad Hand? Yeah, I do. I mean, I th- I I've just been waiting for Hand to get uh to get a spot, a landing spot, and I think Hand had a he had a very good season with Cleveland last year, uh, and I think that you know the Nationals are are a team that that likes to stick with their closer. I feel like Martinez that's his that's his style. He did it with Doolittle until he got injured, 
too much. And I, and I think that, you know, hand, this is his job for the whole season. He should start moving up draft boards. I've already seen it. I think, didn't you snap him in, uh, our best ball league when, uh, he got drafted or when he got picked up by the Nats? I think you picked him up pretty like right after the, the signing was announced. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you, when you're in the middle of a draft and someone gets announced, like I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be, you know, taking some of those, this recent news into the drafts I'm in now, uh, you got, you got to jump quickly because everyone's getting the same news updates that you are. Yeah. And it seemed like it always fell in your lap for a lot of the picks that we were just in, but we're going to stay with closing news here in an ultra rare swap between AL East rivals. The Yankees have reportedly traded right-hander Adam Adovino to the Red Sox in exchange for cash or player to be named later. Boston is going to get Adovino and a minor league right-hander Frank Herman from the Yankees. It amounts as somewhat of a salary dump. They also were not done as the Red Sox acquired Garrett Richards on a two-year $14 million deal. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Garrett Richards is back with the Red Sox on a one-year $10 million deal, and then Kike Hernandez was signed on a two-year $14 million deal. So I want to ask both of you this, starting with Cheesecake. What is your favorite move out of those three brought in? Um, I'm gonna. I, I think Kike Hernandez is my favorite move because I think getting him out of Los Angeles, where he was part, he was a part-time player. You know, getting getting part-time at bats and putting him in Boston, where I believe he'll probably be a starting second baseman. That really just deepens the second base pool even more. And and I'm loving, you know, we did our second base preview. These late second basemen, there's a lot of them who lo- who are looking really good. For me, I'm loving waiting on second baseman. And Kike is someone who, who I don't mind waiting on and, and grabbing as, you know, a second second baseman or um, or perhaps, perhaps you know, taking a chance on him as, as a flyer late in your draft. You know, I, I he said he he has produced in short spurts in Los Angeles, and I and I think that given full time run in Boston, he might put together a really nice season, and I'm willing to take the chance on him. Kike is going to finally get full time at bats. He's been kind of a platoon player with the Dodgers, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in a full season. Hopefully, staying in the lineup every single day. Doc, what about you? Yeah, I love the Kike Hernandez signing as well. But just to kind of diversify, I'm going to say I love the Adam Adovino. And I think it's a rare win-win for both teams. You look at the Yankees, they already had a stacked bullpen with Chapman. Zach Britton, Shad Green showed a lot of potential last year and started out great. For the Red Sox, they gave up Brandon Workman. So I think that closer role is open. Adam Adovino has been someone that's had a pretty steady track record throughout the majors. And he could be someone that is that closer that right now you can get at a discount. Yeah, I, I think Boston is kind of low-key adding some good players that you know aren't going to flash across your screen and make you be crazy about it. But uh, I like these under-the-radar the kind of moves that they're doing. But one team that's not under the radar right now is the Toronto Blue Jays as they continued their push to join the top tier of contenders in the American League. The Jays reached an agreement to sign free agent shortstop Marcus Semien onto a one-year $18 million deal. If you remember Semyon in his breakout 2019 season slash 285, 369, 522, had a career-high 33 home runs, a 13.7% strikeout rate, and a 10.6% walk rate. Semyon's 7.6 F war earned him third place in the American League MVP voting. So he only had done it that one season and kind of took a step back last year. But not only did the Blue Jays sign Semyon, but they brought in some pitching help and they did it in the name of Steven Matz, who's now headed to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange 
for three right-handers in Josh Winkowski, Sean Reed Foley, and Yenzi Diaz. Mats is due $5.2 million after agreeing to avoid arbitration, and he's going to be a free agent after the 2021 campaign. So I'm going to throw the same question out there, starting with you, Doc. These are the two moves that are brought in. Do you like both or one over the other? What are your thoughts? Doc's muted. Uh, I love the Marcus Semyon move. And just to touch on it first, I think that's extremely disrespectful that the Oakland A's didn't even put out a contending offer. You talk about all these players that are signing one-year deals. I still think Oakland is has a championship window. And to not even sign him for a one-year deal, I think for the Blue Jays, I love it because they're going all in. They've got George Springer. They've got Semyon. I mean, they have a multitude of hitters. And now they're finally starting to add some pitchers, and I wouldn't be surprised if they aren't done yet. Cheesecake, what about you? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not that intrigued by the Stephen Matz move right now. I, 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 Matz has just been way too inconsistent in New York. Um, going to a, a tougher place to pitch, going to be pitching in, in in a small park in Buffalo this this season, I believe. Uh, so I, I, I think you know, it's just it's another arm. That they have, but they gave up. They gave up some good pitchers. I know. Uh, I know Nick Pollock from Pitcher List is saying he's still he's still out on Sean Reed Foley Island after after uh, loving a few starts of his in 2018. So um, so they gave up some some good arms, and I I don't think Matt's is that good. He's been so inconsistent. Uh, I don't think that's a, a fantastic pickup. They're going really. They're going like bargain shopping on their pitching but Semyon is a great pickup for them really so you know as if they needed a more solid offense yeah I mean I don't even know they're going to put everybody honestly at this point staying in the AL East though the Yankees worked out a deal to acquire Jameson Tyone from the Pittsburgh Pirates the Pirates are getting four prospects in return but nobody as a huge note here Miguel Yahor Rancy Contreras, infielder Michael Escado, and outfielder Cannon Smith. So focusing on the Jameson Tyone part of things, Doc, do you like this for Jameson Tyone? Do you think that it's kind of worth the hype of him going to New York, or do you think the injuries and everything else is not a big deal for him? Well, I'll be interested to see how he bounced back because he had Tommy John, and he's never seemed to stay healthy. But for the Yankees, once again, you're contending, and I think it's been – what, 11 years since they last won a World Series. So I think for them, that's an eternity. And he's a pitcher that once again has very high upside, but they got for a bargain. Uh, we, what we're seeing with a lot of teams is they're selling their players for dear cheap and contenders can get them for a fraction of what they might have prior to the pandemic. Pirates are also selling their whole team. It's interesting to note, Sion has actually had two Tommy Johns. And I saw that he was tinkering with some of his pitch mix and kind of figuring out to kind of take a different approach to next year. So I think a lot of people are going to be in on him if he starts looking healthy in spring training. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. The Minnesota Twins, my Minnesota Twins, signed J.A. Happen and Alton Simmons to contracts. Very Twins-like moves, kind of not flashy names, guys that are going to contribute. Cheesecake, do you like these moves for the Twins? Yeah, I love them. I love the I love the Hap pickup. Uh, Hap has been, you know, we had a down season with the Yankees, but he has been, he's been pretty consistent over the course of his career, especially since I believe it was in Pittsburgh where he, he kind of rejuvenated his career and uh, then went to Toronto and, uh, and New York and had, and has continued that, that 
that run of, of good pitching up until I think 2020. I mean, and I like, you know, the, the context, the park context for him is much better than, than Yankee stadium. And, uh, you know, the twins, the twins need pitching. He's going to get a nice leash on that uh, team to give a lot of innings. And, and I think he's going to perform well. Um, um, Simmons is also part of that because he's one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. And he's going to be helping guys like Jay Happ and Kenta Maeda and, uh, and Randy Dobnak uh, as well. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at that twins defense up the middle, you have Raldon Simmons at short and you have Byron Buxton in center that, that gets pretty good. Josh Donaldson at third, uh, Kepler is not a bad defender either. So they're going to have some good defense for the, the pitchers in Minnesota. So they're going to love that. The San Francisco Giants have signed Tommy LaStella to a three-year contract. Doc, what does this do for his value? Does it hurt others? He'll look to go at the top of their lineup with a minuscule 5% K rate. So it seems to fit right in. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I love it for his value. Somebody, I think that we're seeing a lot of one-year deal in free agencies, and Tommy LaStella isn't a sexy name, but I think a team is realizing that a, he, you can put him in first, second, or third uh, in terms of fielding, but also that he provides, like you said, great batting average, good contact rate, and he seems like a professional. So I think great move. I just realized you're wearing your hat right now, and you are ugly. Wow. Hey, hey man, we all don't have hair plugs like you. You're spreading around fake news, so we're not going to tolerate that. Um, You're saying one, fake news that's been retired, David. <laughs> wow. Tommy LaStella, I'm a little worried in the sense that I think I could see him, Donovan Solano, Wilmer Flores, them kind of platooning and kind of canceling each other's values out a little bit. So that's the one thing that does scare me about this signing. I think the Giants, I've heard this somewhere today, and I can't think of where, that they said they were kind of becoming the Tampa Bay Rays of the West and that they're going to just platoon players and I'm kind of a little bit of scared to to draft these guys now in, in San Francisco because I don't see these guys getting consistent playing time. So that's that's my one little scary thought with uh, Mr. Tommy LaStella. The Padres have agreed to re-sign infielder outfielder Jerickson Profar to a three-year $21 million deal. Profar's contract contains an opt-out clause after each of the first two seasons. Cheesecake, I feel like you uh, have talked about the Padres a lot throughout our podcasts negatively so for Jake Cronenworth. But you also have Hyung Sung Kim in this as well. What are your thoughts with this Profar signing as it shakes out in, in San Diego? I, I I think that you're going to see those three, you know, getting 400 to 450 plate appearances each. Um, actually, in a recent best ball, I, I was able to get Cronenworth and Profar at way past their numbers because of the, the fact that People are scared that that they're going to uh, have a timeshare and it's gonna it's gonna check down their value a little bit. And I think that that is a nice buying situation if their value starts to go down. Because so I got Cronenworth at like two two ten two fifteen, which I thought was a fantastic value when his his ADP is between one forty and one sixty. So, you know, I think it's a buying opportunity now. Uh, there's 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 no reason that. At some point, it can't shake out. And if you're getting a four to five round discount on these guys, I got an even bigger discount on Profar than that. Then, then it's a buying opportunity. They're very talented. I, I mean, Kim has fantastic projections. I don't know how much weight you put on that, but um, you know, Profar and Cronenworth both had really good seasons in 20. 
Profar has had good season, good season in 18. Are you going to play a sound effect to tell me shut up? All right. Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Profar has been good too in the last three seasons, if I if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. So I, I I really like Profar. I mean, I don't love the timeshare, but I think if you can if you can find a way to sort of stack these guys, you might end yourself up with like one and a half really good players. My God, are you still are talking? You- <laughs> I, did, I, I thought it was going to come in the middle of what I was saying. I thought that was coming. <laughs> Actually, wasn't going to do it when you said it. I said, now I have to do it. Uh, Bart, you make I, it seem like Yurikson pro, Profar is the GameStop stock. <laughs> oh, there you go. I had to ask a friend about that reference. I was like, what is everyone talking about today? <laughs> I think you do bring a good point up, though. I think you see these three guys and they cancel each other's value out, but it, Someone could easily go down or two guys could go down and then their stock is so low right now that if you just buy in one of them and they get that increased playing time that you're already making more value than when you drafted them at. So I kind of think that people are taking that reverse approach now, now that they're getting faded so much. So I kind of like the angle you took on that cheesecake. The Again, doing shows once a week, there was a lot of news that piled up, but just touching on right-hander Mashihiro Tanaka announced this morning that he will not re-sign with a major league team this winter. Is going to go to the Nippon Professional Baseball's Rakuten Eagles on a two-year deal. So we wish Tanaka well in uh, outside the states. The Tigers have reached an agreement with free agent catcher Wilson Ramos on a one-year, two million dollar deal, which seems like a great contract for them. I can see Ramos easily being a top twelve catcher with the at bats that he should get with Detroit. So I like that a lot. And the Orioles had a nice little low-key signing, signing shortstop Freddie Galvis to a one-year. $1.5 million contract. I think a nice move for the Orioles for the defense. I think a lot of times people will hit when they go into Baltimore. So great move for that sneaky and value Trevor there. Bauer, and Trevor Bauer still did not sign. David said by this point next week, that's his bold prediction. And he was wrong. I was very wrong. And I knew you would make sure that the audience didn't forget that. So oh, thanks hell for reminding them. Yeah. But if you like uh, hearing Eric curse or me making fun of Eric, Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show and a fantasy basketball show you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about lighting up that Apple Podcast app with a five-star rating and review to support the show? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides daily questions. Horrible takes. Horrible takes. Horrible takes. And of course, our weekly episode drops. So you had a bad day. You're taking one down. You listen to a podcast just to turn it around. You say you don't know. You tell me which one. I give you a smile and I say triple play. You had a bad day. You see triple play. Give us a listen one more time. Triple play. Ooh. Triple play. Do, 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 do. Keep on joining us for an amazing offseason of fantasy (laughs) baseball content with no shortage of amazing guests. Thank you to our loyal listeners for tuning in each and every single week. And we'll be right back with Starting Pitcher Preview Part 1 with Justin Mason right after this quick break. Tonight, we welcome in a man currently owned by another. Co-owner of Fantasy Benefits, the creator of TGFBI, and a writer and podcaster at Fangraphs, 
where he's the backbone of one sleeper in the bust. Not only are we talking to an FSWA award winner and five-time FSWA finalist, but a real-life model who I aspire to obtain the same reactions as him in a onesie. The man himself, Justin Mason. How's it going, man? <laughs> I, lo- I love the introduction right there. Uh, not often do people introduce me by talking about my modeling career <laughs> as a rotorware spokesperson. I can even like I'm even wearing the rotorware swag right oh, now. Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, I- I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Of course. I mean, again, obviously one of the best. The, you and the onesie where you're plastered up against the glass is mm-hmm. like an iconic pick. I love it. Uh, but I also have to give you a congratulations right off the bat because you were voted as an FSWA finalist for having one of the best baseball publications for Friends with Fantasy Benefits Baseball Draft Guide. Mm-hmm. And you were also a finalist for the best baseball podcast with Sleeper in the Bus. That's insane, man. Two finalist awards. You're just killing it. Oh man, it was, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I was grateful and honored to be nominated for the podcast once again, but like we get nominated pretty often for that one. I think we've been nominated every year that I've been on and, uh, and we won, I think back in, in 2018, uh, but to get nominated for the draft guide, man, cause you see the competition of like the people you're going up against the rotowire draft guide. Uh, you know, baseball HQ's forecaster, their minor league analyst, uh, over at baseball HQ. Um, like it's like the competition, it's the big boys, right? And so mm-hmm. to have my site and my guys who just work tirelessly on this draft guide to, to get nominated was just a really huge honor. Um, and, uh, like I, I, I was in the middle of a meeting for my actual day job with like a bunch of big wigs from around the county. And like, I got the, I got the tweet and I was like, Oh my God, I can't like <laughs> jump up and down right now. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been crazy. And, uh, we got this year's, uh, edition of the draft guide out over on Amazon. Uh, you get the paperback or, uh, you can email me justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com for the $7 PDF. If you buy it before the end of the month. So this weekend, buy it before this weekend. I'm going to do a raffle for one of the, you know, one person's going to get into this year's TGFBI. So if you want to get into TGFBI for this year, go buy the draft guide, hit me up uh, via email or uh, uh, go buy the, uh, the, the paperback on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, we were talking before the show, you do so much with fantasy. You say you're up till 3am, you're writing, you're podcasting, you know, you're putting together right now the TGFBI leagues. And I mean, Justin, man, you're, you're doing so much work. Do you ever find yourself being like, I need to step away for a day or two or anything like that? I mean, sure. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not blessed with the insight of other people in the industry. Like, I can't do numbers like Alex Chamberlain. I can't like, you know, examine a pitch the way like Alex Fast or Nick Pollock does and, or, you know, Saris and stuff. And so in order to make up for, you know, their just natural ability to do things that I can't, I got to work harder. So, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, one of the ways I've gotten kind of inroads within the industry is working my butt off. And so, yeah, sometimes I'm up till three, four o'clock in the morning writing or, uh, you know, editing podcasts or, or whatever, just to, just to make sure I'm, I'm staying up with everybody else. And, uh, it seems to be working okay. Uh, I think my, my children would love to know what daddy looks like. Um, 
But I mean, they could hear me on the podcast. At least they get the voice, you know, just play the podcast and leave the room. So, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. It's fun though. And I'm enjoying the ride. Yeah. And it's, you know, you talk about just the community itself and I don't know if you remember, you're one of our redemption tour candidates here. Cause you actually came on our show. I don't know if you remember back in April, it was like our sixth or seventh episode. And it was when we were on anchor and you had to like tap or something on your phone so it wouldn't disconnect you. I think it disconnected you a couple times. And you, you know, us being new faces and, and trying to get a hang of this whole thing, not really knowing what we were talking about. You were awesome to, you know, sit down with us then. And it stuck with us and pushed us to want to make sure we were really good. So again, you talk about just the community. That was one of the things that we realized early on how great it is and how great of a guy you are. Uh, for also coming on a second time after the first time too, so we really appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the thing, though. I mean, um, when I was new uh, at this, people came on my podcast. Like, I, I remember, like Jason Collette came on like episode eight of Friends of Fantasy Benefits, and I think we just dropped like episode six sixty eight today. So, like, and like, like at that point in episode eight, like I had less listeners than like i don't know i maybe 20 listeners or something like that and jason collette's coming on and paul spore is coming on and you know chris mcbrien you know would come on and uh you know and they were huge for me and you know i mean because no one knew who i was and eventually i built relationships with them they came on and people would come and listen and and then they stuck around um and so like i I would feel really crappy about myself if I got all this help from people in the industry. And then I turn around, it's like, screw you guys. I'm here. Um, so, you know, I, you know, I can't make it on every single podcast I get asked to go on, but I try to, you know, I, you know, I, I beg my wife and go, Hey, listen, these guys want me to come back on. You mind cooking dinner at night? Something like that. Um, you know, and I have to give them a lot of free back rubs to make up for it and stuff like that. But, Ultimately, you know, I think uh, I want to be known as a good person in the industry because so many good people helped me. Uh, guys like like Paul and Laura Michaels and Howard Bender and um, you know, really, you know, you know, Sarah, they really stuck their neck out for me, and so I want to return the favor to to the next kind of crop of young talent like you guys coming up. <laughs> We really appreciate that, man. And, you know, we respect, we listen to your show and it's always nice when you guys come on here. And, uh, it's been just a great experience this past year that we've been doing this, getting to meet great guys like yourself. And we're pumped to have you on tonight because it's our first episode of starting pitchers. And in tonight, triple play fantasies starting pitcher part one preview. We're heading into the 2021 season, taking an early look at the starting p- pitching position and ranking players in this position group heading into next season. Using NFBC rankings from January 1st as our template, we're looking at guys going 1 to 10, and guys 11 to 20 that we like, and guys that we uh, look at like we saw or we smelled a bad fart in the room and just kind of passing on and moving on here. And then they're going to touch on one guy going 21 to 30, just someone that you're trying to grab as much as you can. So without further ado, let's dive in here, and let's look at the 1 to 10 range on NFBC. And Justin, who's going in this one to 10 range that just you have to have? This is your guy that you're trying to get as much as you can. I mean, here's the thing. Pitching is getting pushed up at a rate, especially in NFBC leagues. And if you're anything like me, you've already done five to 10 drafts. 
Um, and the thing I've noticed is, you know, typically pitching gets pushed up as we get closer to the season. So in March, we start seeing these prices really rise in the pitching markets. Um, it, it's already starting that way. So I'm really just taking whoever I can get. Uh, I love Jacob DeGrom, my number one pitcher this year. Uh, I just, you know, just did a, or just started a draft uh, a few days ago where uh, I had the fourth pick, snagged him. You know, and now it's like, okay, now I don't have to worry about fighting with the other pitchers or other other people drafting pitching. You know, I really like Lucas Giolito uh, this year as well. I think what he's done over the last year and a half is completely legit. Uh, and I do think that he can maintain it. Uh, but, like, there's no one I'm necessarily saying I've got to have mm-hmm. because everybody's going so, you know, expensively that – I'm actually willing to kind of just be like, hey, I'm not, I'm I'm okay missing this tier because I like guys in the next year too, and just really loading up on him. Yeah, I mean, pitching, like you said, more I think this year than any year. Pitching's getting pushed up. Everybody's. I'm looking at a lot of these drafts, and you're seeing ten guys go in the first two rounds, and it's mm-hmm. crazy. Cheesecake. Is there anybody in this group that you're looking at that you feel differently than Justin? That you're like, there's someone in particular I really like, or how are you feeling about it? Well, I. I want to get any of these top 10 on my team that I can get on my team. Obviously, as Justin was saying, pitching has been pushed up so crazy that you're like, can I get one of them? Can I get two of them? But I think when you look at the ADP, to me, um, I, I have you, you Darvish as the, as the number four. So I, I think I'm going to talk about him a little bit because I think there's a little bit of a, you know, is it Giolito? Is it Bauer? Is it Darvish? Maybe someone else thinks it's Walker Bueller. I'm not sure. For me, it's Darvish, and it's because, <clears throat> one, he's been doing it for basically a calendar year. He started uh, he started about second half of 2019 and in 2020. Uh, together, that's 157 and two-thirds innings of a 2.17 ERA and 211 uh, Ks to 21 walks in that time frame. He's 10 to 1. That is, that is an incredibly impressive rate. And... When you compare him to someone like Giolito, who I also have very high, I think that what you can get is uh, a lower ERA, I think, expectation from Darvish. One, because I think the park, uh, Petco Park, plays a little bit more of a pitcher park than, uh, I'm just going to call it Comiskey, because I don't know what the name of the White Sox <laughs> park is right now. Um, uh, and also, um, you know, there's a lot of people, I know, Ju- Justin, you're on the board that DH is coming back. You know, if it doesn't, being in the National League still is a benefit for this season. So at this point, I'm I, I'm drafting as though the DH isn't back. So I also think that is another chip on uh, on on uh, on the ledger for you, Darvish. So I I have him as my clear cut number four, um, just because he's been so good, and I do think that you know pitching in 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 the in his location compared to someone like Giolito and someone like Bauer, who I don't know exactly where he's going to end up. And also I'm not hundred percent sure about him. I have him as my four. So cheesecake, I'll ask you first. And then I'll ask you, Justin, are you worried that they might go six man and that might bump his value from being the number four starting pitcher? Uh, I, I, I'm not, I think six man, he'd get one start a week. Um, it's going to, it would lower his value a little bit, but I also think that they are loading up on, um, somewhat injury prone arms. So they, they have insurance to keep a five man staff. If six of them are healthy, maybe they'll pitch six, but you know, 
Denelson Lamette, are we sure about what he's going to bring? Joe Musgrove, are we 100% sure about what he's going to bring? Um, you know, Clevenger's already gone for the year. I mean, I think that they're, they're providing themselves a lot of insurance. And I think that it's possible you see someone like Adrian Morian, uh, start as a swing guy instead of like the sixth starter. That's, that's just a, just a guess on my part. Justin, you agree? Yeah. Six minor rotation is a great idea in theory. Uh, and I think you may see a lot of teams start the year with a quote unquote six starter, but shit happens, right? Like people get hurt. (laughs) Like that's what pitchers do is they get hurt. And so like the idea that they can keep that going an entire season uh, and you wouldn't want to just ride your horse that you just traded uh, a bunch of prospects for. I, I, I'm not buying it. I, I'm, I'm with Cheesecake over there. Give me you Darvish is my number four pitcher. I'm probably not going to get him a lot because I'm typically taking hitters there. But when my ranks come out here in a week or so, or my next updated ranks come out in a week or so, he Darvish is my number four guy. Doc, I know there's somebody that Cheesecake brought up that you're very strong on. I want to talk about him a little bit. So I really like Walker Buehler, and he was my prediction to win the Cy Young last year because in 2019, he had five games with seven innings pitched, zero walks, and 10 strikeouts. And you look at that command because over the last two years, he has a 28.3% K rate, but a 6.2% walk rate. So what happened in 2020? He started out poorly. He went zero and zero with a 5.21 ERA and 17 Ks and four starts, but I chalked it up to having blisters because he spent two IL stints in there, and he actually spoke with Rich Hill, which if there's anyone to speak about blisters with, it's Rich Hill, (laughs) and he showed him how to grip the ball differently and kind of how to work around having a blister. I looked during the regular season, he only went six innings pitched or more once, and that was in nine games, but he went twice in the playoffs, six or more innings, which were four games. I think he got more comfortable as the season went on. I know this is a guy that relies a lot on his fastball. He throws it about 54% of the time, but I really think he's improving his curve as a secondary pitch. It was in the 97th percentile of spin rate, and this is a guy that's only 26 years old. So I think that he's someone that has a lot of potential that would be higher if he didn't have a slow start last year. Justin, where is he ranked in your top 10? He's about... Six or seven. I mean, I love Walker Bueller. I was at one of Walker Bueller's first uh, outings as a major leaguer. He came in relief in the ninth inning against the Giants uh, in San Francisco, and I was I was sitting right behind home plate um, because someone you know uh, like snuck me their ticket, and I was able to sneak into the really expensive seats. Um, and like getting to watch just how that pitch came into the plate, like I, I fell in love even though he's wearing Dodger blue against my Giants. Um, That being said, you know, you have to kind of downgrade him a little bit last year. You know, I know it's like some slow start stuff and, you know, he had trouble kind of getting loose after the ramp up, but that is a bit concerning to me that a guy his young or as young as him had that kind of issue. I, I would think that typically they, you know, a younger guy would have the resilience to be able to, uh, ramp up a little bit quicker. Uh, and maybe this is a little bit of he burned me. Um, you know, not that he burned me bad or anything. I mean, he was still fantastic. I mean, you know, put up a 344 ERA and 10 strikeouts per nine, um, you know, in his 36 innings, but only getting, you know, 36 and two thirds. Uh, and I took him, I think, with my first pick in the main event. Um, yeah, that, that hurt a little bit. So 
That being said, I still think he's an elite pitcher. He pitches for one of the best teams in baseball, uh, and so he's going to win a lot of games. I don't think you can go wrong taking Walker Bueller, but I've got, I've definitely got Darvish ahead of him. I might have Giolito ahead of him. It's those are the two. It's probably fighting for five and six. Those two, and then Bauer comes in after both of those guys. So my question to you guys, I feel like I'm going to be Michael Simeone for a second, and <laughs> I'm going to take a stand on on these Reds here. Why no love to Luis Castillo? I mean, change up God himself. Posted a, a 170 XBA, 270 X slug, a 40% plus whiff rate on that God beautiful changeup. Uses it 30% or more of the time each year of his career. And he was the poster boy for bad luck this year. If you look all his stats, he had a 321 ERA, but his expected ERA was 304. Expecting batting averages on his top two pitches, the fastball and change were at least 35 points lower than the actual batting averages. 88 point difference on his slugging percentages as well. I mean, I, I'm just looking at all the stuff. His his K per nine jumped over 11 for the first time in his career. His walks went down. Uh, his K to walk ratio was the best of his career. I feel like people look on those surface numbers and they see him, but I feel like he's so undervalued. Justin, do you feel that he's not getting the love that he should? I don't know that he's not getting the love that he should. I think he's pretty appropriately ranked. I I mean, I love Luis Castillo. Castillo. I was big on him last year. I'll continue to be a big fan of his. If I'm in the middle of the second round, Giolito's already gone. Uh, you know, Darvish's already gone. Walker Buehler's already gone. You know, it'll be a, a difficult decision for me with him and Bauer. Um, you know, I love all the stats you set out there, but the one you did forget is the home run to fly ball rate dropped five percent and i don't know that that's sustainable especially if he doesn't get traded out of cincinnati mm-hmm. um and so i assume with you know a few more homers you know that era is going to kind of normalize back uh, a little bit to kind of a mid threes guy but i mean i love the strikeout uh uptick that he took this year uh and you know he's a guy that's been hovering around 15 and a half 16 percent swing strike rate so i can totally buy you know the 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 30, 28, 30% strikeout rate. Uh, and I love the fact that he's not a guy that walks too many, you know, walks a few, but not too many. And, you know, he doesn't give up too many home runs, but I think he's going to give up more than he gave up in 2020 for sure. And, you know, so that, that kind of keeps me him. He kind of stays in that, you know, middle of that second tier of aces for me. Yeah. yeah I just and, Go ahead, Eric. I was going to say for me, you know, they, they only played the central teams last year, and I look at the NL Central, and in runs scored, the Brewers were 26th, Pirates were 28th, Cardinals were 22nd. I mean, he faced a lot of low-scoring offenses. I think when he has to face the NL East, the NL West, and some of the other teams, I think you could see him hit harder. All right, well, since you're bringing down my Luis Castillo high, let's just go and talk about something bad here, and let's talk about the ones that are going in the top 10 that you're not an easy fade for you, but someone that you're kind of happy to let someone scoop them up so you can get someone else in that range that you like. Justin, who's that guy for you? It's got to be Bauer for me. Uh, and part of it is he hasn't signed with a team. I don't know where he's going to be. Uh, and then part of it is, you know, I, I've often uh, over this offseason and in previous years, comped Trevor Bauer to BJ Upton in terms of the fact that he's a tinkerer. He likes to find something that works and then go away from it. And so, yes, the season he put together was amazing. And if he does find a team that lets him 
like pitch every four days uh, like he wants to. Like he could be the number one player in fantasy, not just pitcher, number one player. And it might not even be that close if he's able to rack up 250 plus innings at the rates that he did last year. That being said, I don't know if there is a major league team that's going to let him do that. Uh, and it would not surprise me if he reverted to previous form where he struggled with walks or gave up home run because dude just likes to mess with things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I'm, I'm clean and sober. I'm in recovery. Okay. And <clears throat> I tell people often who are in recovery, keep it simple. Don't overthink things. Once your brain starts getting involved, sometimes that can be a problem for you. Well, same can be with pitching or just, you know, baseball in general. Sometimes you, if you simplify things, it makes it a lot easier to repeat. Uh, and Bauer likes to complicate things. He's fucking smart. And he gets in his head and he goes, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. And sometimes we see what happened in 2020. We're like, that's amazing. And then sometimes we see that it happened in like 2019 or previous to 2018. And we go, no, no, no. Why would you do that? Um, and BJ Upton used to do the same thing. BJ Upton would get into these really hot streaks. He changes swing. You're like, oh my God, he's making contact. He's got power and speed. Like he's doing everything right. And then for no apparent reason would tweak something. And then, you know, go back to hitting 175 for a month. And, and mm-hmm. if, if I'm taking a guy in the first or second round, I want to feel like I am really, really safe. Like, I, I don't necessarily draft a pitcher early because of their upside. I draft it at the potential downside. I want a guy that I feel like I'm going to get guaranteed innings with good ratios and strikeouts. And you just can't guarantee it with Bauer. I 100% agree. I mean... <laughs> The fastball spin rate has been documented, but people are skeptical that he can do that again. And like you said, he's a tinker, does never satisfied bringing up the docs argument, playing the central, not exactly a daunting schedule. You look at his K percentage, it was 36%. It was, I think, 6% higher than ever in his career. I know I'm 100% on your side, Just I think Cheesecake, though, are you trying to talk positively about Bauer? I'm here for anything you want to try to counter with this. No, I mean, part of me just thinks that um, Cleveland was trying to influence the way he was pitching, and now he's potentially pitching the way he wants to pitch more. So he was given a little bit more freedom. But I also agree. I think he's a tinkerer. I actually, uh, I do have a, a question for Justin uh, uh, about top ten uh, guys because I, you know, sometimes I find myself wanting to take a pitcher in the first round, and I find that the top three are so hard to distinguish between them. I've heard arguments for each of them that all make sense to me, and I could go with either of them. You already said that Jacob deGrom is your number one. What's your process for coming to that conclusion? I mean, deGrom has just been so elite, and the only thing that has really plagued him has been the wins, right? It's been the Mets uh, not giving him run support or a bull- or bullpens that blow it. And what Stephen Cohen is doing as the owner is like, I'm going to give you all the talent you want. It's now your, you know, time to use it. And so like they're building up the bullpen. This, you know, lineup looks like it's going to be fantastic. It was already pretty good. It looks like it's going to be fantastic now. So my, my belief is that it was a matter of time before Jacob deGrom stopped getting Matt Cain's. Um, and th- for those who don't know that reference and Matt Cain, uh, like we put up these amazing seasons 
and win like five games because the Giants couldn't score any runs for him. Uh, so like, I feel like we're, we're Cliff lead, I guess Cliff Lee was another guy where like, you know, he had like the best season, like in, you know, pitching in like two or three years and didn't win the Cy Young. Cause he only won like five or six games or something. So like, I think there's a monster season coming for the girl. Uh, and I, I also really like Cole. I have no problem taking Cole in the first round. Uh, you know, the Homer issues are a little bit concerning to me, uh, for la- uh, from last year. Uh, you know, and pitching in Yankee Stadium, the, the, you know, the, uh, competition in the AL East, especially with what Toronto's doing right now is a bit scary. So I'm a little bit lower on Cole. Doesn't mean I wouldn't take him in the first round if I'm middle first round and there isn't the hitter that I want there and, and, to, and, uh, Cole falls to me. Um, I'm totally down. I like Bieber a lot, but, you know, he doesn't have the track record of the other two guys. He may face the issues that DeGrom faced, you know, with the Mets in terms of, I don't know if Cleveland's going to win a lot of games. They've already traded Lindor, and now today there's talk they're going to trade one of the pieces they got from Lindor in Ahmed Rosario away. Like, I wonder who's going to be on that offense to score runs by the start of the season. Um, you know, not to mention the bullpen being a little bit shaky already. And uh, so I worry that Bieber won't win as many games as maybe, uh, you know, uh, he would have uh, in previous seasons. And then, you know, the guys who rely on really precise command and control have a lot thinner margin for error than a guy like DeGrom. And so those kind of things push him back towards the back end of the first round for me. And likely if I'm picking there, I'm rarely taking a pitcher. So, yeah, hopefully my twins can feast on that entire Cleveland pitching staff, except Mr. Aaron Savali. He can be okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That pitching staff's pretty, still pretty good. I mean, you know, the thing about Cleveland is like they, for somehow, like they've got a little factory like in Cleveland, mm-hmm. like just pumping out pitchers, uh, you know, and I do believe in what they do. But like, you know, we've seen with other pitchers like Kluber, like where, it just it can disappear in a minute, you know, when you're you're so reliant on you know elite command and control that it can kind of disappear. I'm not I, I'm not saying it will, or that mm-hmm. I think it will. You know, I just think that Degrom Cole are a bit safer. They're my elite tier. Those two guys, um, and then Bieber starts off like the second tier of starters for me. Doc, there was somebody I know. Uh, so we can move on in the back end of here that you just wanted to touch on real quick that you're avoiding and why are you avoiding them? Yeah, I'm avoiding Max Scherzer. And as a Nationals fan, I hope I'm wrong when I say this. I think June 2019 was the peak of his career. He pitched 45 innings and had three earned runs. But from July to September of that year, he pitched 50, including two IL stints for a back strain in July and in August for a mild rhomboid strain. So in 2020, he had the highest ERA which was 3.74 he's had since 2011. And his expected ERA was 4.21. He had the lowest K percentage of his career since 2015, the highest walk percentage since 2010. He had the highest whip of his career, which was 1.38, considering it was 1.02 the year before. He also gave up a career high in home runs per nine inning, and he was already a guy that gave up a lot of long balls. He's going to be 36 when the season starts. I think his body is starting to break down on him a little bit. And he's arguably pitching in the toughest division with Phillies, Mets, and Braves. The Marlins can sometimes put up sneaky uh, good games. So 
He's somebody for being the 10th pitcher going off the board that I'm fading at that price. I think one key factor with him, though, is where you're getting him. I remember in one best ball draft, I got him in the third round, and I was okay with that. I don't think he's a second-round pick anymore. Justin, you agree? I mean, I got no problem if people want to take him in the second round. I, I haven't. I have taken other guys. Um, that being said, like I was just in an NFBC 50 where I had the, the 12th pick, um, so I was right there on the wheel, and I got him with the last pick of the third round. Wow. Like, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's a season, about a season removed from being a first round pick. And like, yes, there are some warning signs, but it's baked into the price. You know, especially if you can like double tap on, t- like, let's say you go hitter, hitter, and then you go pitcher, pitcher. If you can pair a Max Scherzer with a Zach Gallon, like I did in this draft, like, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And I got two elite hitters. And then I've got the, you know, I've got Max Scherzer, who's shown over the course of his career that he is one of the most elite pitchers ever to put on the uniform. Like, I get that it's, it, there has been some regression. You're also talking about a guy who prior to 2019 had what six straight years of 200 inning work with elite ratios. Like, can't tell me that's still not in him. And if it's in anybody, it's in, it's in, uh, Max Scherzer. So, um, I'm okay with it because I think it's it's built into the price right now. I agree. I think him being down at 10 when he'd been top three, four for many, many years, I'm, I'm okay with that as well. Let's go to this next range, though, because this range is filled with, I feel like, some time bombs. It's filled with some just blooming flowers. It's it's an interesting range here. And Justin, you brought up a name in Zach Gallon that I wrote down. Is that the guy that you would pick out of this range that you try to get the most, or is there another guy? Oh, no, it's Brandon Woodruff. Mm. Um, I mean, and this is a range of guys I really like, and it's where I'm usually doing my first set of shopping for a starting pitcher. Like, I really like Brandon Woodruff. I really like Clayton Kershaw. I love Zach Gallen. I like uh, Kent Maeda. I love Lance Lynn. I love Carlos Carrasco. Like, I love a lot of these guys in this area. But to me, I mean, the upside we saw last year and Brandon Woodruff with all those strikeouts, um, you know, I expect that Milwaukee will be better than they were again to pitch in that central. Uh, again, so, I mean, it seems like every team in the central except for the Brewers are selling right now. Like, we could see a Cubs team that is batting me in the middle of their lineup. I mean, that's how ugly it's getting. Um, you know, especially because like Rizzo's in the last year of his contract, Baez in the last year of his contract, Bryant in the last year's contract. These guys may be gone by midseason. And when Milwaukee comes to play the Cubs, they're going to be no one able to hit him. What's um, your Woba, Justin? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I would really hate to see my ex stats. I've got a really, I've got a really good eye. I take a lot of walks. Um, I don't hit for Bad power. Off. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm very much Daniel Vogelbach before Vogelbach had like a little power spike. I'm that guy. Like I'm not gonna hit for power, and I'm not gonna look good rounding the bases, but I'll, I'll walk him for sure. Um, so, but yeah, no, it's Brandon Woodruff for me. Uh, I love the upside. Now you want to kind of pair him with a number two that is pretty stable because there is, you know, he's had injuries in the past and there's a little volatility to him, but I do. I just love the upside. Like I think he could end up being like a top three pitcher this year. He's very fastball reliant as it's been documented. 
I think people were starting to compare him to Matt Harvey, where they think in a few years he could fall off. Do you believe that? Do you think he's a kind of a reincarnation of Matt Harvey in that sense? God, I hope not. Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, like, I, I haven't heard that comp before, um, but that really scares the, the, the pants off me because I was I was huge on Matt Harvey, <laughs> and, and I went down with that ship uh, along with a lot of other people in the industry. I mean, I... I, I don't like comps like that because, I mean, Matt Harvey had just like just this unreal run of injuries, mm-hmm. you know, and then had to get thoracic outlet. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that kind of comp, but I mean, pitching is volatile. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about it every year. I think uh, on the podcast today, I think Paul threw out the stat like that 45% of pitchers hit the IL every year. So it's like, it's wow. all a crapshoot. It's just a matter of like how big that pile of crap is, you know, when it hits you. So, uh, you know, give me the talent and what uh, Woodruff did uh, in 2020 really supported kind of the breakout uh, in 2019. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was 31% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate, uh, you know, really, you know, learned how to control his pitches this year. has got elite stuff. So I love me. I love me some Brandon Woodruff. I agree. Uh, again, hopefully not doesn't have the Matt Harvey path. I always think of the fastball heavy reliant guys. If they lose velocity, what else they have with them? But I agree. We're going to be positive because we're on the positive side of things right now. <laughs> Doc and Cheesecake. Doc first. Give you guys. Give you guys the. Why don't you guys give your guys too many guys, and then uh, we'll let Justin give us thoughts on those two. Yeah. So for me, I really like Jack Flaherty. The first start of 2020, he looked good. Seven innings pitch, six earned, two earned, six Ks. The next start was 26 days later because the Cardinals had a COVID outbreak. And I know we kind of judge the 2020 COVID season for different people, but he went 1.2 innings. So I think he needed kind of time to build his arm back up. He had one really bad game, which was at Milwaukee, and he allowed nine earned runs. You take that away, and he actually had a 3-1-5 ERA for the year. This is someone that over the second half of 2020 had a .91 ERA over 99 innings pitched, averaging 11.2 Ks per nine. So he has shown that upside. He has a good speed mix. His four seam tops out about 94. He has a slider that's 84 and a curve that's around 77. So I love the variance in speed. Uh, and 11, it's right outside the top 10, but somebody that I'm a fan of. Yeah, I know Jack Flaherty's a very kind of, you like him or you don't. He's not an in-between guy. You're a Jack Flaherty guy or you're not. So I, I think it's easy to tell where you stand with that. Could be eventually good value. Cheesecake, what about you? No, I'm going to talk about a guy I just drafted as my second pitcher in a best ball. That's that's Lance Lynn, who's going as the 57th pick off the board. I love what he's what he's been doing since he came to Texas, actually, since I think since he was in New York, actually, he's been, he's been pretty elite. And right now he's going as the 18th pitcher off the board around the likes of Blake Snell, Tyler Glass, now Corbin Burns and Zach Plesak. For, for me, I think that he provides a lot more certainty of innings and he's definitely going to pitch more innings than all of those, those pitchers as on the season. Um, and I think he would be going higher Actually, if he hadn't given up nine earned runs in the very last game of the season, which raised his ERA by 0.8. So people look at, oh, wow, he really had a, he really fell off the second half. No, it was, it was one game and I'm going to do what, uh, what, what Justin's podcast co-host always recommends is, is look at, look at the game logs and see 
can I can I isolate one game which really throws out the hole? And I think with Lynn, there is one game. It's the very last game, and it made it look like he really stunk the, the second half of last season. It was one game. I think it's dropped down his price a little bit to a place that I really like uh, right now, 57th pick. With an offense that's going to give him a lot of wins. So I, I like that call. Justin, I could just see on your face, you're all in on the Lance Lynn. Uh, how do you feel about him and Jack Flaherty? You know, I mean, Lynn is one of those guys that I, th- I think, you know, Cheesecake's right. I mean, if it hadn't been for that last start where he just got shellacked by the A's in the last game of the season, um, he would be going much higher than this. And, uh, you know, I mean, like I said before, when I'm drafting a pitcher early, I want a guy who's going to give me a pretty safe floor. Uh, and nobody pitched more uh, innings in Major League Baseball than Lansom last year. So we're talking about, oh, well, you know, I'm going to talk about a guy in the next segment that I really like, but there's concerns about his innings because a lot of teams are going to say, well, we'll let you go 100 more than you did last year. Well, you let Lance Lynn go 100 more than he did last year. He's getting like 185, and that's more than anybody else is. So uh, I love that. Uh, you know, there is a little bit of concern moving away from Texas into Chicago because Texas played like such a pitcher's park uh, this last year, uh, and Chicago is much more of a hitter's park. But you're getting to go up against the Indians who are selling all their pieces. Minnesota, whose offense did not look as strong as we thought it was going to be. I do think they'll get Nelson Cruz back and be fine, but whatever. In Chicago, you know, he doesn't have to go up against his own team in Chicago. He gets to go up against the Royals, the Tigers. If that's a really good division to be pitching in. I really like Lance Lynn as a stabilizer. You know, when I was talking about taking Brandon Woodruff, if you go like Brandon Woodruff, Lance Lynn, you haven't had, you know, you've likely been able to use at least one or two of your, you know, first three picks on hitters. And then you got two aces like that. Give me that all day. As far as Flaherty goes, I really like Flaherty. The problem is the price, man. Mm-hmm. I would think after the numbers he put up on the surface that we'd be getting a discount, and we're not at all. Everybody is still all in on Jack Flaherty. I have no problem with people spending that price, but if pr- pitching prices continue to go up and now I'm having to take Jack Flaherty like, the middle or even close to the beginning of the second round, I'm out. So that's, uh, that's my only issue with Flaherty is I just, the price, man, it's, it's, we should be getting a discount on it. We should be getting him around pick like, you know, 40 as opposed to pick 30. Yeah. And I think obviously it's a hard season to assess him too, because mm-hmm. the COVID effects with the whole Cardinals teams kind of made it a mess to try to oh. assess them. You know what? I mean, Cardinals players, for the most part, I'm throwing a lot of stuff out. I mean, they had to play 11 doubleheaders. You know, that that is super difficult to have to, like, get up and and go play two games. And sometimes on back-to-back days, like, they just got screwed by, you know, the the COVID stuff. And, um, you know, some of it wasn't even their fault. Like, you know, so it's, you know, I I give a lot of them a pass, including Flaherty. So I'm not, but apparently everybody's giving Flaherty a pass because his price hasn't gone down any. Yeah, it's very interesting. And then there's guys, like you said, Woodruff, and then a guy I really like in Gallipoo, you know, Zach Gallon. He's just, uh, everybody loves Zach Gallon. doesn't need much to say about him. I mean, you looked at the offenses he faced last year, and he still went, what, 24, 25 starts in, in his career in a row without giving up more than three earned runs. I mean, his numbers are great. XBAs of uh, two eighteen or less on three of his four major pitches, and his walk rate went down. Launch angle is actually pretty good for. He's not giving up a ton of fly balls. 
And uh, like you said, just, I know he's a guy that you also like as well. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I haven't heard too many people talking down on him. So he's another great guy in this range. Um, but I do want to talk about the other side of the coin here and guys that you are fading. Let's just, let's just, uh, talk about the elephant in the room here. And that's the Nelson Lamette. Every, everybody hates Lamette. Obviously those injuries are scary. Justin, is that where you're going to go? Oh, I didn't even realize he was in this tier. I thought, I thought he was lower. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, on, on my podcast on Sunday with, with Jason and uh, we had Michael Simeon on, I, I threw out the question. I was like, would you rather draft Nelson Lamette or cut your left foot off? And everybody on the podcast, including myself, said we'd rather cut our feet off. Um, <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that dude is really a one-and-a-half pitch guy, um, you know, the the injury thing, man, that just scares the pants off me. And they've been bringing in guys left and right uh, I mean, they, they've pretty much put together a whole rotation out of guys they've just traded for. And that tells me that they don't believe they're going to get much out of Donaldson Lamette this year. Um, and, I, you know, like I said, if I'm drafting a pitcher early, I want to feel really safe about the innings I'm going to get. Now, his price is dropping. It's going to continue to drop. Um, so if you're one of those people that likes to take a gamble, you know, I saw him go at 169 in a draft recently. I mean, there, I guess you're just, you know, hoping that you, you know, that, that he returns and you've won your league just based on that pick. I just, it's not for me. I'm just not going to take the risk, especially it's a guy that I haven't liked, you know, in the past anyways. And now you add the injury risk. I, I'm not, I'm not here for it. Yeah, actually, you're right. Because when I originally was taking notes on it, he was, I hadn't updated to January 1st on this was back earlier in drafts. But now he's the 27th pitcher off the board at pick 74. Uh, and if, if you sort by just like draft champions drafts, and I, I recommend when you sort on NFBC, you pick the format that you want to play in. So if you do all drafts, you're going to get a lot of best ball drafts, you know, for, for their cut line or, you know, or other formats. So if you play in 12 team leagues, sort by NFBC fifties right now, if you play in 15 team leagues, sort by draft champions, if you sort by draft champions, he's the number 30 pitcher that includes a few relievers. So then, you know, you're looking 27, 26, but like that's still, man, that's, that's a lot of risk to be taken as like your number two uh, in a 15 team league or your number three, uh, I'd much rather take shots on other guys going around there. It's interesting too. He had the highest P val on a pitch, obviously with his slider at minus 19 run value, which was very interesting. And he used that pitch, the slider 53% of the time last year. And to compare the next highest percentage of pitch on the slider was Patrick Corbin at 40%. So he up, he had 13 more percent usage on that pitch than the next closest person. And it kind of worries me because you look at Patrick Corbin, he's kind of the example of somebody you rely so much on one pitch and what can happen when that velocity starts going down or when something's not quite right and you become completely ineffective. And the P-Val on his next pitch that he uses is the fastball. It's at 2.2. So it's a huge difference between them. His fastball is completely ineffective. If that slider's not working or there's something wrong, He's not going to be the same pitcher. So that's something that also scares me. And, and I'm looked kind of at his innings too. And in his big league career, he pitched 114, 73, and 69 in his three big league seasons. So let's say he stays healthy for a full year. You give him the 50, 60 inning pitch bump. Maybe you're getting 120 to 130 innings. That's, of course, if he stays fully healthy. 
guy that's averaged five point uh a little over five innings uh per start in his career, five point seven five innings. Um, yeah, no thanks. Everything you said, Justin, as well. No thanks. Um Cheesecake, what about you, someone in this range? Well, I'm just gonna echo a few of my thoughts. I I, I don't think that um someone that I'm fading in ten to twenty, you mean? Is um yes, is, yes. A, is a Jack Flaherty. I I mean I think if I'm taking someone who I think might might actually be like a top five guy here, I think Flaherty might be the guy. It's like you got Castillo; he's going a little bit higher, but Flaherty, he's young. He gives you the chance to be a, a, a he hey, gives Jesus you a Jake. chance. To, yeah, say Jack. Did I say Jack? No, say Jack. Jack. Now say Flaherty. Flaherty. You were saying Flaherty or what? <laughs> I'm not the only one that noticed that. Wait, a, well, you know, <laughs> it's just like you to pick on someone's speech impediment. You yeah, know, I've been dealing fair. this with my whole life. No. Um, <laughs> uh, Jack Flaherty, it's, it must be Midwest to me. Uh, Jack Flaherty, um, did I say it again? That's no, how good, I say you're it. You're good. Right. good. Go ahead. Jack, Jack Flaherty, uh, to me, seems like he, he also does have a, a fairly low floor. And I look behind him, you got Kershaw right behind him. You got Woodruff right behind that and Gallon. I think that those three, I think, are a lot safer than than Flaherty uh, going as the 11th pick, the 30th pick off the board. What is it? What is this? Is this no? Not- go on, go good, go go. All right, um, <laughs> I, I, I do, beat myself. <laughs> I, I do. I think that I would rather go for someone like Kershaw, or Woodruff, uh, and, and Flaherty is being pushed up. I think. I think he has a he has that ceiling that you look at. You look at, and that's based on the second half of 2019. For me, uh, I'm, I'm I think it's putting too much credit in that small small sample size. And uh, I would take him, you know, three or four above Maeda, but probably below Gallon. All right, fair enough, Doc. Give your guy real quick, and then we're going to move to our last guy to talk about tonight. So for me, it's Daniel Solomet's teammate, and that's Blake Snell. You take out his 21 and five year, where he had a 1.89 ERA. And overall, he's a 21 and 25 pitcher with a 3.89 ERA over the other four seasons. And his 1.89 ERA, his expected ERA was 3.09. Justin talked about durability. Well, he pitched 180.2 innings in his Cy Young year. But after that, he's never thrown more than 130. And in fact, after that Cy Young year, he's had 31 starts in 2019 and 2020. He's never gone seven innings pitched or more. And in fact, in 11 starts, he's gone under five innings. So in 35.4% of those starts, so about one in every three, you can see that he's going to go less than five to, so he won't get you the win. His home run per nine has increased the past couple of years. It was at about 1.8 this past season. Now he has to face teams like the Dodgers and at Colorado. And he's someone where he throws a 95-mile-per-hour fastball, 88-mile-per-hour change, 87-mile-per-hour slider. I don't like that the the low speed variance. So he's somebody where I just can't get on board. You're a speed guy. Maybe you should have been like a speeding cop or something like that. Um, I'm 26. I got time in my career. There you go. <laughs> Let's move to the last guy of the night. And this is the 21 to 30 range. And now we're kind of getting a little bit more as the no does to kind of where you can kind of pick and choose the starting pitchers that you kind of really want to target here. And maybe you'll overdraft over others. And Justin, who's that guy for you that you kind of are maybe overdrafting to make sure you get as much of them as you can? Oh, I mean, this is a toss up between the guy that I feel is a little bit safer and then the guy that I feel has just the ceiling through the roof. So 
Um, I'll mention both, but I'll dig into the guy who's got the ceiling through the roof, uh, I guess. Uh, Carlos Carrasco is, is going off his like, 21st pitcher off the board right now. I love the trade to Shea, uh, or it's not Shea anymore. It's a city field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in New York, I mean, city plays for pitchers really, really well. And I think it was Steamer, like after they, you know, they updated the projections on him after the trade, they had him as like the number 10 pitcher this year. Um, you know, with that offense behind him, uh, should win a lot of games. Really like uh, Carrasco, but man, I am getting Corbin Burns everywhere. Every time Ryan Bloomfield does one of those bloom boards of like, this is the statistic to look at for these pitchers. You know, here's the top 10 guys. Corbin Burns is always on those lists. The one concern is how many innings does he get? Because Milwaukee said that they're going to. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to bump guys up like Burns, just a hundred innings. So, you know, there's a concern that he's only going to get 160 or 150. That's fine to me, man. It's going to be a really, really good 150 or 160. You pair him with an innings eater. You know, I'm even fine, like waiting, uh, you know, not taking a pitcher in the first two rounds, grabbing Lance Lynn and then pairing him with Corbin Burns. Getting those innings from Lynn, the upside from Burns, I, I just, I, I've, I've gotten Burns in too many traps. He just, he just needs to stay healthy because I, I don't want my season ruined. Right. No, I, I, Corbin Burns' fever is real. He, I mean, he finally put it together last year, and he mm-hmm. was kind of what everybody was hoping when they saw when he kind of came up the season before and didn't pan out as well. Uh, what about? So my question: What about Max Freed? And I know everybody's down on Max Freed, but he. For me, he's someone who's been limiting hard contact his whole career. Gave up one homer in 2020, which I know isn't sustainable. But he's had a great ground ball rate a lot of his career. His home run per nine is great. His home run to fly ball rate was definitely an outlier, going from 20%, uh, around 20% his first three years to under five. So I know that's not sustainable. But his ERA has been consistent. He's about a K per inning guy. So it's not like he doesn't strike guys out. I um I just wonder, a guy that has a career 3.52 ERA and and hit the major so far is he just not flashy enough are people just concerned that they think i know that they have his xfip at around uh, a little over four steamer has him for a 403 era for this year the bat has him for 433 era which i think is a little high but i mean the, the line drive rates going down each of the last three years his soft contacts have been going up and hard contact going down justin do you think it's just that everybody's looking at him and expecting some regression or is he just not flashy enough I think it's the strikeouts. I think people want to get more strikeouts from their like number two pitcher. Um, I don't have a problem with Max Fried. I actually like him, but he does allow just a lot of zone contact. His you know zone contact rate in 2020 was 88.1 percent. So you know you're getting a lot of ground outs, which is great. You know or line outs and things like that. But you know strikeouts is what makes people get up, right? And that's what you know people want. People are strikeout whores. Um, and like, I, and so I get that now, that being said, like when, you know, when you're building a team, you're putting together a puzzle, right? And fantasy baseball rosters and that puzzle can be put together in a lot of different ways. If you want, you can get your strikeouts in a different spot and feel pretty good about the road, uh, you know, the ratios you're going to get from a guy like Max Rays on Atlanta. They're going to, you know, um, they're going to win a lot of games. Uh, he's left-handed, so that kind of limit, uh, limits, you know, the park factors to that short porch and right uh, in SunTrust. 
I like Max Reed. I haven't gotten him a lot just because typically I'm either getting starting pitcher right before kind of where he comes up in a draft or right after. But I'm not a I'm not like saying you shouldn't draft him. He just hasn't ended up on a lot of my teams yet. Okay, that's fair. Cheesecake, was there anything you wanted to add before we finish out this segment? No, I just want to throw I just want to throw Hyunjin Ryu's name. He's been so consistent. He he was brought to Toronto to be their ace and he was their ace. He's come through and I, I've been picking him up in a lot of drafts. I think he's undervalued. There's a little bit of ageism going on there. But when you look at what he's been able to put together uh, uh, the last two seasons, 2019 and 2018, coming off of kind of a lost 16, 17, and 18, it looks like he's back and he looks like he's ag- exactly what Toronto signed him to be, that ace. And he's pitching consistently with how he's always pitched in his good seasons. And I look for him to continue that. He gets you strikeouts. He has a good strikeout to walk ratio. He limits home runs. Uh, and so I'm picking him up and everywhere I can because I think he's undervalued. And Doc, finish us out here. So speaking of non-sexy names, I'm going to go with Kyle Hendricks. This is a guy over the past five seasons that has a sub-five ERA each of those years. Uh, he's thrown 175 innings pitched in four of the last five years. He's always had a whip below 1.2. It was actually .99 this past season in 12 starts. Is he a huge K guy? No. But he's also not going to walk a lot of people. He had a .89 walk per nine uh, this past season. We talked about the division. There's going to be a lot of bad teams, a lot that are probably tanking. And once again, he's going to be reliable, but is he going to be that sexy name that's going to get you a lot of strikeouts? No. Yeah, Hendrick, uh, comment coming in. Hendrick would be perfect for the Mets. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see him there for sure. There's uh, been there's been linking talks linking him to going to Toronto with yeah. Chris Bryant, actually. So I don't know what the return would be on something like that, but also in Toronto as well. I think that'd be a great fit. Everybody should just go to Wait, Toronto. So, so I saw Toby post this because he said the Blue Jays should trade Vlad Jr. for a pitcher. Would you trade Vlad Jr. for Hendricks? And um, no, you can't do it for Hendricks. You can't do it for Vlad. Well, I was, was going to say Hendricks and a prospect. They don't have any good prospects, yeah. I don't think. What, and, uh, the, the better way to do it is trade Teoscar and a prospect for Hendricks. Yeah. Okay. I, I like I that. I agree. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Hendricks, Hendricks is one of those guys. Now, he's not as undervalued as he's been in past years. I know. He's, he's the guy that, like, everybody is just, including myself, shed on him, him forever. But, like, at some point, you have to kind of – take the uh, projections with a grain of salt and go, all this guy does is deliver year after year after year. And I've been talking about it this whole episode. For me, pitching early on about safety, about guy who's going to deliver me the safest floor. Obviously, I want upside too, but I want a guy who's going to deliver me a really safe floor. And if you're getting like Hendricks as your SP3, like I, for instance, I'm in an NFBC 50 right now. I drafted fourth, took DeGrom fourth overall. And then I took in the fifth round, I took Burns. In the sixth round, I took Hendricks. Like that's the start of a beautiful rotation. You got DeGrom upside with Burns, safety with Hendricks. He's just such a, you know, safe player to put in the middle of your rotation that, you know, you should be targeting him every time you come up to him and his part of the draft. I think those sirens are saying you committed starting pitcher robbery with mm-hmm. Hendricks as your third. You, you saw me like you know, Doc started talking about Hendricks, and you know usually people light up a cigarette after they have sex. Like I had to, like <laughs> I was getting ready. Kyle Hendricks is the buzzword. I love it. Let's great discussion. Let's move to the next segment. That's going to be our question of the week. 
And our question of the week is sponsored by Shady Rays. Take it away, Cheesecake. You, if you guys have been listening to us any amount of time, you know all about Shady Rays. You know all about Doc with his with his Will Smith cover, Shady, Shady, Shady Rays, Shady Rays. Absolutely. If you want to look good, you need to get yourself some shades. I I got contacts for myself so I can look good in some shades. And these are the best shades I've ever owned. They, they're super comfortable. They're lightweight. You can wear them while you're, while you're going out for a hike. You can wear them while you're driving. They have these polarized lenses. Everything looks clear. I don't know what a polarized lens is, but get yourself some because you see the road better. You're out, you're out going out for a hike. You see the woods better. It's a beautiful thing. And when you do it, put in your code triple play, triple play one word, T-R-I-P-L-E-P-L-A-Y, and that'll get you 25% off your pair of Shady Rays, except for the prescription version. Uh, but what else do you get? You're helping people with this with this purchase. Shady Rays delivers 10, 10 meals for every purchase to Feeding America, and they've d- delivered over 13 million meals to Feeding America since they began. So... Get yourself some Shady Rays Triple Play. Use that code, helping us out, helping yourself out by looking good and helping to feed people. You hear that, Jack Flaherty? Get your pair of health with Shady Rays. <laughs> Love it. So our question this week, sponsored by Shady Rays, who are your favorite baseball brothers of all time? Justin, you're the guest, so we'll start with you. Who is oh, that for you? This is a hard one. And so, you know, a little peel behind the curtain um i'm the type of person that's super lazy in some regards and i don't do research before i go on a podcast (laughs) you know including my own like paul gives me the show notes like two minutes before we start and so like it's you know largely based on what i can look up in the moment or uh um or what's just off top my head so i didn't actually do any research for this one um and uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with um cal ripkin and billy ripkin um Largely because I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area before the Nationals were ever existed. Uh, and so, like, the baseball icon of the mid-90s when I grew up in Washington, D.C. was Cal Ripken. He was breaking the Ironman record. Uh, and then, of course, you get the uh, the bat incident um, with Billy Ripken, which is, you know, awesome as well. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. with the Ripken brothers right there. It's a great call. I actually taught it for a little bit at the school Billy Ripken came from. and. Uh, He's like idolized there. So it's very interesting. I like that. Cheesecake, what's your pick? I'm going to go way back uh, as a kid who grew up with a baseball encyclopedia and would spend time just flipping through looking at at players. I got I got to give some love to the very first uh, brother Hall of Fame crew. That is Paul and Lloyd Wayner, known as Big Poison and Little Poison for the Pittsburgh Pirates in the 20s and 30s. They still hold the record for most career hits by a brother tandem that's uh 5611 career hits more than the Alus, all of them more than the dimaggios all three of them as well um and like i said they are the the only well i think they were the first brother pair in the hall of fame i can't think of any others off the top of my head and like justin i didn't look it up so um but i still think they are the only hall of fame brothers uh and they need to get mentioned in this favorite brothers of all time discussion paul and lloyd wayner uh, Hall of Famers. You said it poi- like poison in your like accent. Little poison. There you go. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm drunk, so <laughs> just joking. <laughs> Doc, what's your pick? David, we could be, we could get more than five thousand hits together, right? Uh, I'd be lucky, happy to get one between us. 
<laughs> but for me, it's the Molina brothers, the three of them. And it's for one reason. We all watched baseball tonight, hopefully growing up, when Steve Berthine would go, name that Molina. Jo- uh, Benji, correct. Or yeah, Yadier and Jose. I, I remember all three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a... Uh, I, I forgot that the other two existed because it had been so long. Uh, but great call with that one. I, I just got to go simple. The the first brothers that come to mind are the Uptons. Like BJ, well, uh, what's he? Uh, Melvin, Melvin now. Mm-hmm. Melvin and Justin. Those were like the first I remember just when I was growing up watching it. Those are the first ones I first kind of grew up seeing them both in the league. And uh, they, I mean, it just, it was interesting because Melvin Upton just went, and then I just, it's just interesting kind of how his career just completely just flat, like went to nothing. Uh, and Justin Upton for all the hype he got kind of didn't ex- get to the, what I think people expected him to long-term. So interesting on that as well. <laughs> uh, great discussion on that though. Let's go to our last segment and that's going to be our game of the week. All right. Is that from Biker Mice? No. <laughs> That's a random guess. Game uh, of the Week go, is I'll, hosted by Cheesecake, so go ahead, take it away. Gentlemen, I am bringing back a game that we played a few months ago. This is, this is a word combinations game where I will mm-hmm. give you a phrase which describes a word combination. Let's just give you an example. Uh, Merry Old Soul Nursery Rhyme meets a Yankee's Ace. That's Old King Garrett Cole. Okay. So that's just an example. You know what I mean? Okay. Gonna, this is not going to go well. I can uh, promise you. This is uh, not. I, 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 well, you know, maybe this will be one of the episodes where the, where the guest does not win the game. So let's. <laughs> I'm thinking this one. Let's go. <laughs> I, I have like time. I have like I have like eleven. So I think I'll just go with like I'll have I'll go with like eight or nine, and then we'll see if we need a tiebreaker to uh, to let's do to, it to get this done. Okay. The first the uh, the first. Uh, Word combination. White Sox batting champ meets the only boy who could ever teach me. If I remember last time, you were horrible in the beginning few, and then the last ones were all good. <laughs> I, know, I, I, know, I know the first part. Yeah, I mean, I think we all know the first part is Tim Anderson, but... Yeah. What was the second part of it again? The wh- White Sox batting champ meets the only boy who could ever teach me. It's a musical reference. Oh, that's yeah, why I won't get yeah, it. No, I'm not going to get We're that. We're out. Unless it's <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> um, is, I'm pretty lost. This is Tim Anders, Son of a Preacher Man. Son of a Preacher Man by oh. Dusty Springfield, of course. Art, you're, yeah. who do you think this is? Ba- what what the, do you think yeah. we would get that? This, this, this is going to be first person to one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let's see. Let's see if we can get these. All right. Um, projected Astros starting outfielder. Uses a false debating tactic. A mild straw man argument. There you go. That one point one. for that Justin. Good. <laughs> all right. See, I mean, they're not all Anderson of a preacher man. <laughs> Only most of them. <laughs> okay. Um, here's another good one. Big Padres hot stove acquisition meets Yeezy's wife. Oh, God. Um, who's Yeezy's wife? Uh, hi, hi, Seon Kim Kardashian. There you go. Oh, I, was oh. trying, I could get the second part, but I was like, <laughs> which, 
right, Padres. I, I had to think. I was like, wait, who's Kanye married to? I know this. Yeah. Wasn't Kanye married? It, oh, he's is he easy? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeezy. Yeezy. Kanye, Yeezy. I didn't. I didn't know that was the same. You're person. losing touch with the youth, there, Dave. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dave, <laughs> you are old. You are uh, old. Wow. This one, all right. This one, I hopefully you guys get it because because you're all DMV boys. So White Sox Ace meets DMV Chain Italian Style Eatery. Oh God, Lucas Giolito Pizza. Giolito Pizza, Lido Pizza. Oh, every mall, <laughs> every mall in 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 Maryland and Virginia that I've been to has a Lido Pizza or a Sbarro's. So, yeah, right. no, I know Sbarro's, but yeah, I did not. That, no that, Lido Pizza. Okay, I'll take it. I mean, I, I was. Yeah, I, 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 I. All was right, first person to two. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's here's a good one. I I hope. <laughs> A San Diego outfielder meets the TGIF Winslow, Winslow family. Did I do that? The name of the show. San Diego outfielder meets TGIF Winslow family. Hold on. Did I do that? I, I know this. Uh, um, oh, it's um, um, Tommy. Uh, Tommy it's, Family it's, Matters. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was Dude, trying to get it out. Uh, <laughs> I, to, to, I was to, all like, I was like, Trent Christian family matters. I, I, the Myers family matters. Oh, oh my god! Thanks, Dave. Oh, that hurts. Two to one to one. Okay, all right. Dodger, <laughs> Dodger lefty hurler meets famous daytime. Game show. David Price is right. There you go. That's See, good. Justin, you're better than you thought you'd be at this. <laughs> Three to one I, to one. I was like, the only daytime to- or daytime game show I know is Price is Right. So I just went, <laughs> Walker Bueller Price is Right. Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> David Price is Right. I was I was about to say Clayton Kershaw, Shank Redemption, but I was, I was like, all in. It's a movie. <laughs> Uh, the Price is Right, of course. Of course, their host Bob Barker, best known for getting into a fight with Adam Sandler on a golf course. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, here we go. Uh, Yankee perennial buried, perennially buried on the outfield depth chart, meets a Seattle uh, sitcom radio host Fraser, Fraser or whatever Kane. his last Clint name Fraser. is. Clint Fraser Kane. I think. I think. I think Doc got it first. Yeah. I knew yeah. the show was named Fraser. I just didn't know. What mm-hmm. Thanks, was. Mom. <laughs> it's like her favorite show <laughs> exactly okay well let's see let's see if this is all right i, I I'm, I'm gonna wade because i i'm gonna wade carefully into this one post-apocalyptic wasteland drifter meets twins power outfielder can you say it one more time a post-apocalyptic wasteland drifter meets a twins power outfielder think about movies mad max kepler there you go. Oh, I would oh, never got that. Four to yeah. one to two. I, I think I think Justin's running away with this one. Let's is there see. only like how many is there two left? Yeah, I got a few more, but uh I'm realizing some of these are not very good for 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 <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, I get... I, all right, I'll I'll go. Let's try this one. Blue Jays top pitcher and his Hadouken, Hayuken, 
Street Fighting Partner. Hinjin Ryu. Ryu. Street Fighter. Hinjin Ryu and Ken was was the other one who did those moves. If you were uh if you were uh street fighting, you know, Street Fighter, of course, best known for taking a lot of quarters from me at seven <laughs> eleven. There you go. <laughs> I don't yeah, think any Street Fighter at seven eleven. That's what? yeah, I well in nineteen ninety four. You're showing your yeah. age. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. Um all right. Well, let's see. Why don't we do I think Justin's got this wrapped up, but let's try uh We'll do one more. Let's try one more. Let me see. What have I not asked yet? All right. Uh, this is a fun one, I think. Let's see if anyone gets this. A newly signed catcher meets an old school baseball term for an easy flyout. Can you read old the? Good. A new, a newly signed catcher meets an old school baseball term for an easy flyout. You'll sometimes hear um, announcers call pop-outs. Oh, uh, James McCann of Corn. There you go. Oh, Justin's good. running away five to two to one. Justin Jeez. Mason, you, you, you are the winner of word combinations. Us. You hustled us. He's a ringer. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, you get this. All right. You got, you got a shotgun. I was like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you get the round of applause, Justin. We want to thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. It was truly fun being able to break down the starting position uh, with you. Thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun. And in case you're not following this man, which I don't know you'd be under a rock if you're not, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter, your work, other projects you might be working on, that type of thing? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Justin Mason, FWFB. Uh, you can read all my work either at friends of fantasy benefits, uh, .com or over at Fangraphs. Uh, you can hear me on the TGFBI podcast, the friends of fantasy benefits podcast and the sleeper in the bus. You get the friends of fantasy benefits draft guide, uh, over on Amazon. It's called the fantasy benefit. Or if you want the $7 PDF, just email me, Justin Mason fantasy at gmail.com. This man is truly awesome. Tons of baseball knowledge, a great follow and a great member of the fantasy baseball community. So make sure you're not, if you're not following him, that you, Make that change and you follow him immediately. Next week, we'll be continuing looking at the starting position, starting pitching position, diving into 31 to 60 with Chris Towers of CBS. So don't make sure to miss that episode. Until then, everyone stay safe, wear a mask, and have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week.